My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited to be able to launch our brand new four-week series called Unafraid. Unafraid. Can any of you handle some unafraid preaching today? I hope so, because our goal is to look at the things that kind of stir us to fear, things that create anxiety in our lives, things that cause us to freak out over these next few weeks, and to look at specifically some characters in the Bible who had some of those issues too, quite frankly, but how God did some amazing, powerful things in their lives. And so much of the beauty of the word of God, isn't it, that that stuff is relevant for us too. That's the part of the beauty of God's word. So we're going to be looking at the unafraid issue over these next several weeks. So I guess a couple questions that we're going to try to address, I won't address all of them this morning, maybe one or two, but why are we afraid? I mean, many of us, hopefully most of us, uh, are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are called ambassadors of Christ. We are called more than conquerors through Christ. We are in Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. I mean, there's so many different parts of our identity that should make us courageous, that should make us bold. And yet I think a lot of Christians have what I would call a low fever of fear, just kind of is there most of the time. That's unfortunate. Did you know that the word of God says that we are to fear not. Words of Jesus himself, multiple times, Jesus said, fear not. Have you thought about what causes fear in your life? That's something we'll be talking about and hopefully trying to answer over these next few weeks. What causes that fear in you? I think another question people have is, well, fear can be a good thing, right? There can be a healthy fear, the fear of the Lord. It talks about in Proverbs, absolutely. But how much of your fear is healthy and how much is not? (laughs) I'd say I'm very much out of balance in that. Maybe you are too. You know, I've talked to people who say, well, you know, I have one of those kind of fearful, anxious personalities. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk softly. You know, I'll try to be nice around you. You know, that's fine. That's good. Some people say, I grew up in a home, believe me, where the culture, you know, like my parents invoked fear in us and authority and these kinds of things. So it's kind of my family culture I grew up with. And and I haven't really gotten over that. So I just kind of tend to be a, a fearful person. And tragically, many of you, many of us, maybe have had some some experiences of real trauma in your life, and that has just evoked a trigger of fear pretty often. And I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm sad when that's the case, but that's the case for many, many people. Jesus said, fear not. Is that even possible? Is it really possible to not live in fear, but to experience God's peace? To experience courage when life is scary, to learn to grow in confidence 
because of who you are in Jesus and the fact that he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We're going to be looking at some characters, biblical characters over the next couple weeks. And the one that I get to take a dive into his life, his name is Moses. And this is so awesome to me because Moses, we often think of Moses, I guess we think of Charlton Heston, right? The Ten Commandments. I don't think that's what he looked like, okay? I'm just saying, I don't know for sure. But uh, Moses had some serious fear. And the passage that we're going to look at this morning will be actually kind of jumping into Exodus chapters 3 and 4. We see in his life something that I've seen in my life, maybe you see in your life as well. And that is fear when God calls us to do something that makes us really uncomfortable. Fear when God clearly is saying to us, this is what I'm calling you to do. And it feels like it would kind of wreck our comfortable, very settled lives. But I am here to tell you this morning, my dear brothers and sisters, God has not just called us to a comfortable life by any means. In fact, God often calls us to step into the heart of life because that's what will bring him glory through our lives. And I want to, I just pray, I've been praying that the Lord would help us look at Moses as an example of somebody who was probably just as terrified as any of us have been when God called him to something incredibly hard. And yet, how eventually (laughs) he responded to that call and he honored God and God used him in a great way. I so much want for all of us And I can't help it but think especially about my Grace College brothers and sisters and maybe some of our high school young men and women here. If God is calling you to something that feels scary, but you know it's from him, don't back off. Go for it. Go for it. I want to give you uh, a little background of Moses. Many of you know Moses. Not know him personally. I mean, you know, you know about him, okay? You know about Moses. Exodus chapter one and two kind of gives the background of Moses. So as Genesis concludes, as Genesis 50 concludes, we see that Joseph had risen to a very powerful position in Egypt. Moses, or excuse me, Joseph was able to bring his entire family who then populated a significant portion of Egypt. Years passed, that pharaoh who knew Joseph died and a new pharaoh took over. And as it says in Exodus chapter one, that pharaoh did not know Joseph. (laughs) And so as he looked at this massive growing group of Hebrews, he got really worried that they might revolt, that they might try to take over the nation. So he made them slaves. And they began this horrible, terrible, many, many years of bondage in Egypt. Later on, to add to his intimidation and fear of the Jewish people there in Egypt, he made a mandate 
that when a Jewish boy was born, the Egyptian midwives were to kill that little boy. It's so interesting in a passage that it says the Egyptian midwives had compassion and spared a lot of them. But it was during that time, it was out of that setting that the mother of Moses gave birth to Moses. And we're told that at the, at the age of three months old, his mother put him in a basket to try to spare him, to try to save his life, and floated that basket onto the Nile River. The daughter of Pharaoh discovered Moses. And she brought him into her home, into her court, and raised him as her own son. So many years have passed. Moses is a grown man. And Moses finds out that he is a Hebrew. He's not Egyptian. He is a Hebrew. And so we read there in, in, in the book of Exodus in the early chapters that, uh, that Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew uh, slave, and Moses killed the Egyptian. And that was found out, and he got in trouble. In fact, listen to this. It'll be on the screen. Listen to these words that we see in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. It says, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, Look at this phrase, where he sat down by a well. Where he sat down by a well. I'm going to circle back to that phrase because I think it's significant. So here's Moses, kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh's after him. He takes off. He goes to Midian, and he becomes a shepherd. Again, many of you know this story. Well, I want you to fast forward with me 40 years. 40 years. Moses is a shepherd in Midian, caring for sheep, married with a son, minding his own business. You kind of get that sense. And he glances up on Mount Horeb, H-O-R-E-B, Mount Horeb. And he sees a bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed. We're going to pick up, this is where our passage for the morning picks up, Exodus chapter 3. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he, referring to Moses, had gone over to look at the bush, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is the good kind of fear, by the way. This is a good kind of fear. You know, I I think I can have a tendency, maybe you agree with this for you. I have a tendency sometimes to be way too familiar with God, way too casual with him. I mean, we have this incredible, almost paradox in our relationship with God. You know, we sing about how he is so close and he loves us. 
and, and, and these wonderful things that help us to be very vulnerable and willing to be intimate with God. But do, do you know and did you remember, do I remember, that he is the holy, holy, holy God of the universe? That's who he is. And that's one of the reasons why we're exhorted that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because we submit ourselves to him. There's a submission to God of our lives that's so critical that needs to balance out our he's, our, he's our best friend and often some of the ways we look at him. Verse seven, let me continue. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. What really struck me in these verses was in verse eight, God said, so I have come down to rescue them. And Moses made have said, awesome. It's about time. I'm so excited. And then he goes, um, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Is this the way God does things? It's like, he gives us this promise and it's like, okay, it's your job. You go. And Moses kind of freaks out. He does. Do you see what his phrase is? Who am I to do this? It's almost like, uh, Lord, don't you remember I'm a fugitive? Don't you remember I have you know, a hit on my life? Don't you remember I fled from there because they wanted to kill me? In fact, Pharaoh then wanted to kill me. Are you serious? Now, what I want to share with you, and we'll see five of them this morning, this is such an awesome passage, chapter three and four of Exodus, is what I am calling Moses' fear responses to God's call. His fear responses. Here's the first one. God, I'm a nobody, okay? I'm a nobody. Who am I that you would call me to be the human deliverer of your people? That's essentially what he's saying. Who am I? I'm a fugitive. In fact, I think Moses might have at least thought, I like my life here. <laughs> I like my life. I mean, I get the shepherd and I've become pretty good at shepherding. I have a kind of a calm life. I have a wife. I have this little boy. You know, my life is good. Why in the world are you asking me? I'm a nobody. In fact, I'm saying this because maybe this relates to some of us. You know, God, can I just kind of blend in? You know, that's been what I've been trying to do for these 40 years, just trying to, to blend in, just kind of be left alone, kind of be trying to be kind of invisible. You know, you've got to be kidding me. Me, the deliverer, <laughs> I'm a nobody. Now, I don't know if you've ever said that out loud, but you know, I talk to people. I know a lot of people. I do. 
And I kind of hear that often in their voice when I talk about what, what does God want you to do? Some of you know I worked at Grace for 16 years, so I got to ask that question a lot. That's why I love college students very much and seminary students too, is because it's such a season of asking God, what is your plan for me? What is your purpose for me? And here's what you're going to hear from me, all of you this morning, is sometimes God wants us to step into the hard stuff. He does. The hard stuff. Why? Because when you just kind of manage your life and your life is comfortable and easy and you never take risks and you never walk by faith and you never say God's calling me to do something hard and back off, that doesn't sound like the Christian life as Jesus defined it. You know how Jesus defined the Christian life? Whosoever would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. By the way, you're not a nobody, whoever you are. But sometimes we can feel like that. Listen to God's words to Moses, verse 12. God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. That leads to my second fear response that we see in Moses. I'm not spiritual enough, God, for this position. I'm not spiritual enough. Um, you got to be kidding. God, I don't know your name. And you're sending me to represent you? I don't even know your name. Now, let me share with you something that I'll be very kind, okay? But let me share with something with you that really bugs me a lot. As I talk to my fellow Christians like you, um, way too many Christians have demoted themselves to second class status when it comes to trusting God for great things in their lives. Let me keep reading because I wrote this down. I want to say it right. It's kind of a, I'll take the parts of the Christian life that make me a moral person I'll take the parts that talk about being a good neighbor and helping people out when they're in need. I'll take the parts that help me make friends with people who believe the same things that I do and are good people for my kids to hang around with. I'll take that part of the Christian life. But that's it, Lord. I've kind of settled on the fact that I'm just trying to be kind of a good person. I am not one of those super spiritual people, Lord. You know, people that like leave everything for some kind of mission field, like people who step into a ministry where people's lives are so broken and is so hard. Lord, I'm not one of those super spiritual people that can just walk into something and have no clue what I'm supposed to do, but you clearly have been telling me to do this. That's not me. 
I play it safe. I like it comfortable. I like my life really ordered. I like to be in control. And God keeps knocking, boom, boom, I got something for you to do. And yes, it's scary. I am with you. I am with you. And this is why I designed you. Do you see how hard it is sometimes to follow the call of God when, when you know, the easy excuse is, I'm not one of those spiritually elites. I'm not varsity. I'm more JV, God, okay? I'm not A team. I'm C or D team, maybe Z team spiritually. I'm just, hey, I'm here at church, you know? That's good, right? Isn't that good? Yeah. Thanks for being at church, by the way. I read my Bible. So do some of you, many of you, I hope. I read my Bible, and I see that I'm called to die to self for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to. And it's not because I'm the spiritual elite. It's because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and so are you. That's what we're called to. And what I see in Moses, his second fear response, which is actually a fear excuse, is, oh, I'm not not one of those spiritual people, okay? Just kind of, you know, happy to be going to heaven, that's for sure, but hoping to live kind of the good life here too. Really? Is Is that what you read in this book? My New Testament doesn't say that to me. He calls us sometimes to the hard, my friends, because it's in the midst of that hard that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Amen? It is in that hard that God's glory is just revealed because nobody can say, you are so talented. You are so amazing. No, it's God did it. God did it. Don't you want to be part of things in your life that people say, only God could have done that. I do. I do. I hope you do. Because I believe that's what he's called us to. Well, God tells, begins to tell Moses that he will be with him, that he should go to the elders of Israel and say, God has called me to deliver our people from bondage of Egypt. Look at verse 20. That'll be up on the screen. It says, so this is God speaking. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Now jump into verse one of chapter four. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Do you think God ever gets frustrated? I read this, it's like, Moses, come on. Here's my uh, fear response number three. I'm not credible. I'm not important. I'm not credible. Why are you telling me to do this? I'm not credible. You know, here's something, here's something that I struggle with. Maybe you do too. I have a, a tendency, I do. I have a tendency to think or say when it comes to some challenge that God has put in my path that I feel God is leading me to do. To say something, 
I don't know if I say this out loud to him. I certainly think it. Um, God, I'll do it, but I want you to guarantee I'll be successful. Okay? Happy to do it. I need you to say 100%. You will nail it. Does he do that? Oh, my goodness, no. He doesn't do that. How about, Lord, I'll do it, but I don't want to look foolish if I fail, okay? You need to guard my reputation. How about, um, okay, I'll do it. I'll invest my resources. I'll invest my reputation on this. But I better not get humiliated if I do this. It's obedience with conditions. God does not work that way. Do you know that? God does not work that way. When he has a call on our life of where he wants us to go, what he's calling us to do, even when it's hard, we can't put conditions in the contract. I mean, we do. We're not supposed to. It doesn't work that way. If you want to see God do remarkable things in and through your life, it's no conditions. I surrender all. Great hymn. I surrender all. Moses just kept saying, I'm, I'm not credible. I'm not the one. And God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's when my power is made perfect. God has to give Moses another pep talk, okay? <laughs> in verse 9 of Exodus 4. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here's my response number, fear response number four. I don't have skills. Okay, Lord. It's almost like Moses was thinking, okay, what's another thing I can say? What can I say? What can I say to get out of this? I don't speak well. You know what? You want me to go and be this leader, this deliverer? I don't speak well. I'm not your guy. I do not have the skill set, God, to do that. Anybody ever, ever use that one as an excuse? I don't have the skill set, Lord. Um, who knows? I mean, again, don't use Charlton Heston as the example of the true Moses, okay? The guy just, he, is, he had this booming voice, all that. That's not, probably not accurate. I mean, I'm not a great speaker, God. I don't talk well. Maybe he mumbled. Maybe he stuttered. Maybe he had a, like a real high squeaky voice. Who knows what his deal was? I don't know. But he, he thought of that as another excuse that God might let him off the hook. Nope. You know, I, I just, a thought just came to mind. It's so true over in the book of 1 Samuel when Samuel was looking for the next king who would be David. It says, man looks at what? The outward appearance. You know this verse? What does God look at? He looks at our hearts. God's not about, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for my number one draft pick, checking all the combine numbers first. God doesn't work that way. I mean, can God use talents and abilities we have? Sure, but that's often not who he selects. It's people that don't have the skills, but he's choosing 
to use them. Look at verse 11. Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? You kind of sense a little frustration with God, with, that God has with Moses. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I think that's how he said it. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Wow. Now, this next verse is my favorite in this whole passage. Verse 13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) It's like, the Lord's like, come on. Please send someone else, anyone else. Fear response number five, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. That's what he's saying. Can you imagine if this story about Moses and his encounter with God ended right here? How different different history would be. Can you imagine if God simply said, okay, I really did want somebody who wanted this job. I wanted somebody who's going to really go after it. Give me full effort. But Moses, that is obviously not you. You're off the hook. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't go that way, does it? It doesn't go that way. And so Moses finally obeys God in this calling on his life. So Moses goes to Egypt, and then he goes to Pharaoh, and then the plagues begin. Plague number one, there are 10, by the way. Plague number one, the Nile River turns into blood. Plague number two, the place is infested with frogs. Doesn't that sound nice? Plague number three, the gnats come. Are some of you starting to go like this now when I say gnats? Plague number four, the flies inhabit everything. Plague number five, the livestock dies. Plague number six, the boils. People have boils all over them. Plague number seven, the hail. Plague number eight, the locusts. Plague number nine, the three days of total darkness. Plague number 10, every firstborn Egyptian dies. That's what happens. Now, let me tell you something that is pretty remarkable and incredible. When you jump to chapter 8 of the book of Exodus and some of the verses that follow, Moses is a changed man. Moses is a changed man. Exodus 8, verse 29, Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord. He's talking to Pharaoh. I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. See some confidence there? I sure do. Exodus 9, 29 and 30, Moses replied, when I've gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail so that you may know the earth is the Lord's. 
But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. You seek courage. I'm not seeing any fear here. I'm seeing courage. Verse 29 of chapter 8, I think I, I skipped that one, but let me share this with, one with you too. Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord. Tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by letting his people go. And then jump down to Exodus 10.3. Exodus 10.3. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, how long will you refuse to humble yourselves before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. What I'm, what I'm trying to share with you with a number of these verses later on is, is Moses has seen the power and faithfulness of God. He is witnessing it. And his confidence and his courage has just skyrocketed. And we don't see fear in him anymore because God has proven himself to be powerful and faithful. There's a not, not a lot of good, some of my brothers and sisters would agree with me with this. There's not a lot of great things about getting older. <laughs> but one thing that is great about getting older is you develop this, I call it almost like family album of the power and faithfulness of God, of the answers of prayer from God. There's something so incredible. I, I have walked with Jesus for 46 years. There is something so incredible when you're in the midst of something hard or when God is calling you to something hard and challenging and when that fear is rising up in your, in your soul that you can look back and say, he was faithful, he was faithful, he was faithful. He answered prayer over and over and over again. It's like flipping through that, that family album and just seeing these pictures of the faithfulness of God. It is beautiful. It doesn't get any easier as you get older. Some things in life, you know, still trials and challenges. But my friends, I want you to know that the cure for fear is remembering the power and faithfulness of God. Amen? That's what it is. The cure of our fear is remembering the power and the faithfulness of God. He walks with us. He takes care of us. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean there aren't heartbreaks. It doesn't mean that there aren't deep trials. But he always shows up. He always does. So I think my big lesson and my big challenge from this study of Moses is that when God calls, yes, there will be fear, anxiety, and a desire to just say, I don't want that life, God. I'm kind of cruising toward a really pretty nice life, job I like, friends I like. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly go to church. I'll serve. I'll do some of those things. I'll be a good Christian. 
But what if God's knocking on the door for you to step into something hard so that he might do something incredible in and through you? I think that's the Christian life. I really do. And it's so sad to me how many of us sell ourselves short when God wants to do something really amazing through us. I want to close with a a passage in the book of Romans, and then I'll pray. So it won't be up on the screen. If, If you want to, even if you want to close your eyes, these are some of the most amazing verses to me in the New Testament to just reinforce God's faithfulness, his love in the midst of our fears. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess, every single one of us confess that our our bent is toward the safe, often the comfortable, often things that we can control, And yet I don't believe that that's how your word defines the Christian life. Often your calling in our lives is to die to self. Your calling in our lives is to give up maybe self-centered dreams for your purposes, for things that bring you glory, for things that promote your kingdom and your gospel. Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters here with us this morning, that if they are in the midst of feeling your prompting, Holy Spirit, your tug, your calling, that they may not be quick to say no, never. Father, I have no idea what that might be in the lives of some some here today, but Father, it may, be, it may be something, not even a career-related decision, but something more related to stepping into the life of an ailing older parent or a child. It may be befriending someone whose life is just racked with brokenness to be a presence, to be a source of the love of Christ. Lord, there's so many things that you call us to step into, to say yes to, that are hard, that mess with our plan. 
which often is a plan of, of comfort and success as the world defines it. Holy Spirit, speak to us, convict us, challenge us. Whatever you want to say to us this morning, Father, it's my prayer for me, for my brothers and sisters, that we would have hearts that are open, that want to respond. And Lord, it is scary to step into something hard. But often that's when you do the most remarkable, beautiful, incredible things. We want to be part of that. Many of us do. I hope all of us do. Thank you for this challenge from the life of Moses, seeing how vulnerable, how scared, how inadequate he felt. And yet, Lord, you used him incredibly. And I am confident, Lord, you want to use all of us too. So we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for entrusting to us your work, the furtherance of your kingdom. As flawed as we are, as inadequate as we are, we are your hands and feet, and we want to say yes to that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.